This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's just one bad dream after another. She's here. Every time I wake up before my feet hit the floor, she's on my mind. Who kills Greg Whiskey? She get caught up in he Why was Marky seen with Ron? Why would someone kill Rhonda? There's another side of him you don't know. It's the last thing on my mind before I go to sleep at night. Why won't John answer his phone? Why is Teresa need to talk to John? A lot of parents didn't have what we have. We had friendship. I could feel it in my soul. Somebody had gotten her. Something was seriously wrong. It's hard losing a daughter and a friend. You took Rhonda's life. You just don't know what you did to the rest of you. Nightmare that won't end. Why won't these people talk? Nikki, morning and all. Foster Gale are counting on you. I won't be here. Can't let them down. It's just one bad dream after another. That is kind of what it sounds like in my head when I lay down some nights and try to sleep. I can't stop asking myself over and over again all the questions that I just don't have answers to yet. The word frustrating doesn't begin to describe the feeling. And I can only imagine what the past 31 years have been like for Milton and Gail Coleman. The hope that you're getting ever closer to finding answers or some resolution only to have that hope stripped away slowly and painfully over time. To know that they have carried Rhonda's quietly diminishing torch this long is both miraculous and heartbreaking. Those who know Milton and Gale can attest to this, but no matter how happy they may be on any given day, how loud they may laugh, or how big their smiles, there is a constant sadness and pain that hides behind their eyes and how they've managed to keep it all together and continue this quest for the truth for so long is nothing short of astounding to me. They've kept Rhonda's memory alive. I admire them for this. It's been so long since they've held their baby girl in their arms and heard her voice proclaim the words, I love you, Mama and Daddy, that I sometimes wonder if they've ever stopped to ask themselves, were you ever really there? But I believe that the memories they keep in their hearts and minds allow Rhonda to live on. And so then shall the fight for truth. From Imperative Entertainment, this is Fox Hunter.
At the end of the last episode, we heard from Roy Robertson. I had visited Roy again and wanted to see what he knew about the case. And one name popped up immediately. Sheriff Mark Hall. Well, I just, I just remember, you know, him telling me that uh, uh, he had reached a point that he knew Marky was involved in, you know. But that's when he said he had reached a point that he knew he had to arrest his son. And uh, uh, it was eating Mark alive. Roy was close to Sheriff Mark Hall. There's really no one who will dispute that. And the best way I could describe their relationship, from what I gather, is that Roy was the sheriff's go-to man. He says he sometimes took care of things for Sheriff Hall that were not necessarily on the up and up. We heard from former Chief Steve Land that Roy was even a hitman for Hall and was at one point hired to kill him. I asked Roy about that. If he's, if he's going to talk about me trying to get the, uh, that I, I was a hired hitman or some kind of shit like that, well, he's a, he's a long way from me. I've never spoke to Steve Land. I've never had nothing to do with Steve Land, even through the sheriff's department. So you say there's there's no truth in that? No, there's no truth in it. Hell, if I'm one of Steve Land's killed, I wouldn't have killed him. Roy's reputation has become part urban legend in Hazelhurst over the past couple of decades. He's admitted to me that he's done things he's not proud of and broke the law in many ways in his life. But when it comes to the things he did for Sheriff Hall, I wanted to know how that all started, how he got tied up in the sheriff's illegal dealings in the first place. When was the first time that you remember seeing or coming to know something like that firsthand, like that you saw with your own eyes, that Mark Hall was doing illegally while he was sheriff? Well, oh dear, in that time now, I went with him on drug bus. And uh, I remember one particular case was down on the Uvalde Highway. We went to a trailer. And... Uh, the man and woman had two little, two little youngins, I believe. But anyway, we went in there on that drug bust, you know, searched the trailer over everything, and went to the the youngins' toy box where they kept the little toys, you know. Well, the drugs was in the toy box, you know. Mark told us just, you know, close up everything, walk out. You know, that's, being with him and, and the bunch at that time, and why they were covering up drugs, you know, didn't make sense to me, you know. There I was, poking wrong with them, getting involved in everything, getting in, and then later on, because I was telling you, it, I could walk in the sheriff's office with no and get all the drug money she wanted, you know go spend it. Just things that come natural. I mean, what you might say natural. Because you were trusted by him. (laughs) Well. I mean, would you you say that, that he trusted you? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. It's this bond of trust Roy says he had with Hall that led to the sheriff allegedly confessing that he was prepared to arrest his son. So he told you that he was getting ready to arrest Marky? Yeah. For Rhonda's murder? Yeah. Yeah. We talked about my son. We talked about his son. Roy says the sheriff picked him up at his home one evening and asked him to go for a ride. Paul seemed upset and had been drinking. Roy, as usual, did as the sheriff requested. He was drinking and crying. Oh. You know how the conversation had come up? Yeah. You know? Yeah. He said, Roy, I, I got to talk to you about my son. I want to talk about your son and uh, what we have to go through. He was drinking, like I said, crying, upset. It's during this conversation, while discussing the difficulties of raising their children, that Roy says Hall opened up to him about potentially having to arrest his own son. But shortly after this conversation took place, Sheriff Hall was killed in the line of duty. So did the truth of what happened to Rhonda die with him? As we talked more about their relationship, Roy makes a confession to me. And I believe this is maybe one of the few times he's spoken about his true feelings on that part of his life. He told me that, in all honesty, most times he didn't agree with what the sheriff told him to do. He just felt that he really couldn't say no. After all, the sheriff was a powerful man in more ways than one and had powerful connections. He also had dirt on Roy if he ever needed it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I, I'd hate to see Mark coming sometime. You know, I know he, he's either wanting to drink or wanting to go to a woman's house or he's wanting to do something that you know in hell. You couldn't tell the sheriff no. But the conversation Roy recounted tells me that Hall saw him as a true friend and confidant as well, not just an errand boy of sorts. You would only confide in those closest to you something as dismal as feeling the need to possibly arrest your own child for involvement in a murder. Whenever Mark got killed, he was on top of it. He knew he had to, he had to do something. Now, how long he had been thinking this and following this, I don't know. But I know it was all coming out. And he knew he had to do something. Now, it is worth noting here that Roy has never stated, at least not to me, whether he feels Marky Hall is connected to Rhonda's death or not. He only says that Sheriff Hall confided in him that he was prepared to arrest his son for being involved in some way. Roy also told me that before Hall was killed in the line of duty in 1992, another confession was made to him. This time, he says, from Mickey Beecher. We was building a road over in Lumber City on the river. Every day we go work and haul dirt, all this kind of stuff. In the early 90s, Roy lived down the road from the Beechers. He worked with Mickey doing excavating, and the two men would ride to and from job sites together often. On several occasions, Roy tells me Mickey admitted to him that it was actually he and his friend Shane who had stopped Rhonda on the dirt road that night. That's what, that's what it keeps going through my mind and, and it is 
the words he said, when I stopped her, I slapped hell out of her. That's just the way he said it. When I stopped her, I slapped hell out of her. Well, and, and Shane Norman supposed to be with him. Now, if Shane was with him, and he slapped hell out of her, who pulled up behind them, because they just left that down that party. Somebody followed Mickey. Mickey had got to the point that he wasn't going to tell me, and he wasn't going to tell Mark. But if I could get him protection, that's where he wanted to go. According to Roy, Mickey would never go further in his story than saying that it was he and Shane Norman, that's the person who was with Mickey at Hardy's, when Milton first began his search for Rhonda, who had actually stopped Rhonda on the dirt road, and that he had slapped her for some reason. Though he did tell Roy on one occasion that when he allegedly slapped Rhonda, her retainer came loose and she choked on it. Very few people know about the retainer Rhonda was wearing and the fact that it's never been recovered, according to the Colemans, so Roy bringing this up stands out. But based on what Mickey did tell him, Roy believes someone else pulled up and actually left with Rhonda. That was the point. Um, to get him to tell who picked her up. We kept, I kept telling Mickey when we'd go through these you know, conversations, you know, and he, he get to the point where he'd say, well, Roy, when I got out, I just slapped the hell out of her, and I thought I'd killed her. And uh, he gets so far into this thing, he quit. He says that in his eyes, it was clear that Mickey was scared to tell more. He was afraid of what could happen to him if he talked. He says Mickey numerous times had asked him to take him to speak with the GBI about what he knew. But each time they set up a time to drive to the Douglas, Georgia GBI office, out of the reach of local law enforcement, Mickey would get cold feet and be inebriated or under the influence of drugs. I didn't try to get him to Atlanta. So he wanted to tell the he authorities. He wanted to tell the truth. Who got her? He was speaking that, going over that same thing, you know. It was worrying him to death. And Roy says he truly wanted to help Mickey. He wanted to know what happened to Rhonda as much as everyone else, but also because he cared for Mickey. Mickey was like a young'un to me, Bo. So he wouldn't have lied to you? He wouldn't have bullshitted you? No. He was like a dang young'un to me. I mean, we, no, sir, I'd have, even if Mickey was on dope, uh, he trusted me and I trusted him. But uh, I just never could get him to, to come out with them last words. And Roy tried and tried. He even carried a tape recorder with him, recording their talks on the way to and from work, just in case that was the day that Mickey finished his story and came clean with what he knew. Every morning, I kept it with me in the truck. And um, I had everything taped. Oh, shit, no, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't go nowhere that I didn't have a tape recorder. Even when I was messing with the county. Really? Yeah. Did you have recordings of Mark Hall? 
I had recordings of a lot of them. Really? I'd, I'd give some of them to Judge Scoggin. And Judge Scoggin, I don't know what he done with them. These tapes could be a break in the case. But Roy told me that most of his belongings, including the tapes, were destroyed in a fire in his cabin years ago when he left his wood stove still burning while not at home. But what about the tapes that Roy said he gave to the judge? What happened to them? With Mickey and Mark Hall both deceased, and most people I've talked to say Mickey cared for Rhonda and couldn't be associated with her abduction or murder, how can we verify any of Roy's claims? Or can we at all? What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. I'll never believe he had anything to do with it. And, you know, there's a lot of people I think is going to owe Miss Emily and his family an apology. You know, he won't get it. But I spoke with Shane Norman recently after being unsuccessful for months in finding his phone number. I asked him if there was any truth to the story Roy told me. If he made a confession like that right there, which I don't believe he did, but if he did, I haven't, I hadn't heard nothing about it. And uh, no, I, I wasn't on that dirt road or nothing else. It, uh, I had never heard that. That kind of caught me off guard. I ain't gonna lie to you. Put it this way: if he did have anything to do with it. He, he was smooth as a cucumber about it, you know what I mean? I just don't really, I don't really think he had anything to do with it. Roy says Mickey was like a son to him, so would he really lie to hurt him? Well, I'll be honest with you now, if Roy told it to you, you can about believe it, but I'm just telling you, you can't. Uh, he pretty much done whatever Mark asked him to do. And that come from, I mean, I've heard my dad and my granddad and him say that through, I mean, for years. Which now, don't get me wrong, Roy will give you the shirt off his back. But he'll also, he'll also take it from you too if the right one told him to. I also recently spoke to another individual who we'll call David because he preferred to not be identified. And David told me that his father and grandfather both knew Sheriff Hall well. He then told me about a memory he has from when he was young. Uh, I wish my daddy was alive. Because I can speak on this, but my daddy's not here to back me up. But we came back fishing one night from Oconee when Mark Hall was still alive, and we took him some fish. I sit out in the truck, and when daddy and they were in there, I know, 45 minutes. They came back out, we left. 
Daddy said, looked at Lewis and he said, can you believe what he said? Lewis said, no, not really. He said, but I already figured it. And I said, what was that, Daddy? And before he could think of it, he said, well, Mark just knows a lot more about some stuff than people thinks he does. And he'll probably go to his grave with it. And that was all I know. And do you think, I mean, do you think that was relating to Rhonda? I'm pretty sure because uh, her name was brought up not 20 minutes later between Lewis and Daddy. I was in the back seat because my daddy turned around and looked at me and he said, "You don't you ever say a word. You never heard no, no conversation about nothing. I said, Daddy, I don't know what you're talking about. I heard you and Lewis talking about Rhonda, but that's it. I just always will believe that's what that conversation was about. That conversation would eat at David for years to come. And shortly before his father passed away, the two spoke of Rhonda and that night again. Daddy's health had been declining bad. I mean, he got to talking about it one evening and I don't know what brought it up. I seen a picture of Rhonda or something on Facebook. And he said, that poor girl, he said she was done so bad. I said, Daddy, yeah, but the thing is, they can't find who done it. And that's when, that's when he told me what he told me. He said, son, he said, I'm going to be honest with you. He said, it's a small town. He said, but the man that knows who done it is already on the ground. I said, who's that, daddy? He said, Mark Hall. He said, Mark Hall made the comment to us one time, me and Lewis. He said, All right. if it kept going like it was going, he was afraid he was going to have to lock his own son up. That now makes two people claiming to have heard of Sheriff Hall stating that he either knew or felt that his son was involved in Rhonda's death somehow. Though other people I've spoken to, Milton Coleman being one of them, said that Sheriff Hall told them personally that he knew John was guilty, but he lacked the physical evidence at the time to make an arrest. But if what we've heard from Roy and now David are to be believed, could Hall simply have been trying to protect his son? Either way, Regarding these alleged statements, again, we have no proof. And having proof of anything or tangible evidence at this point seems to be the biggest obstacle we face. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. If only there was some physical evidence that could connect or clear any of these people, or anyone for that matter, to Rhonda's death. Well, the fingernail clippings were a part of the evidence. Several months ago, it came to my attention that there might actually exist fingernail clippings taken from Rhonda during her autopsy. 
Milton and Gale couldn't officially comment on this, so I had to find another credible source to verify this information. I found that source in former investigator John Lee, who I'd spoken to before I became aware of this. I called him recently, and we discussed, among other things, fingernails. Some of that evidence was held at the Jeff Davis County Sheriff's Office. And when I took over the evidence room, I had knowledge of him being there. Lee took over as evidence custodian several years after Rhonda's death. He poured through the case file and pursued information on both John and Mickey. Though he has his doubts now about Mickey's possible involvement, he's still convinced he was on the right path with John. Long and short of it is, I believe he's connected, at least in whole or in part. Every time I've tried to talk to John, it hasn't went well. I'll put it that way. The evidence file included a small manila envelope containing the fingernail clippings, though Lee tells me he had no idea whether or not they had ever been analyzed for DNA. Regardless, he knew that forensic analysis had come a long way since Rhonda's death and felt it urgent that this, one of the few pieces of physical evidence that exist, be thoroughly examined immediately. Right after Richard Dees became sheriff, that's when we sat down with the district attorney's office, and he said, look, let's at least resubmit that. that they were, at that point, given to Chad Lott. Uh, them things should have been tested a long time ago. Around 2010, GBI agent Chad Lott took the fingernails so they could be examined at a crime lab. But to our knowledge, that examination never took place. John Lee never heard any more about it, and several years later, when he left the sheriff's department, the fingernails, he says, had not been returned to the evidence room to his knowledge. The only thing I can tell you, beyond a set of a doubt, is they never come back to me when I was at the sheriff's office. So, you know, the day that they were handed over, they're, of course, given to Chad Vaughn for resubmission, and they never come back to my office. Milton and Gale were not even aware of this evidence until 2018. When Jody Poncel worked as a private investigator for the Colemans, he and Rhonda's cousin, Natasha Bennett, sat with John Lee and discussed Rhonda's case. When Lee mentioned this physical evidence, Jody and Natasha were floored. I was really shocked when I learned about it. I can remember specifically when he started talking about the fingernail clippings when we were in that meeting. And I remember turning and looking at Jody Poncel going, what fingernail clippings? Because that was the first time I had ever heard that they had any kind of evidence that may potentially have DNA. For, at that point, probably 27 years, the family had been told there was really no forensic evidence. You know, they didn't have any DNA. And to come to find out, that there was the potential for DNA to be found from her fingernail clippings and the scrapings really came as a shock. And I remember running out to the car after the meeting was over and calling Milton and going, you're not going to believe this. And I told him about the fingernail clippings and he was really, really upset to find out that those had been sitting in a file 
and had nothing had ever been done with them. He didn't have any knowledge that those fingernail clippings existed. After receiving her law degree, Natasha would become the family's attorney and help to try and take legal action to move the case forward in ways that Milton and Gail just couldn't or didn't know how to. Well, I think with going to school and becoming a lawyer, I think it just kind of gave me an insight as to how a case um, should be progressed, you know, what kind of things should be happening. And I knew that those types of things weren't happening. I had done internships with the attorney general's office up in Illinois. I had clerked for several judges who handled criminal cases. I saw how the DA's office and the Illinois State Police and other agencies worked with these judges and the attorneys in those cases. And I knew something just wasn't right with Rhonda's case. And when I came back to Georgia and started wanting to, you know, learn more about what happened to my cousin, you know, I started seeing things and realizing something's just not right with the way this case is being handled. In the eyes of the Coleman's, Natasha says that the case was not handled properly, both in the lack of follow-through on the physical evidence and in the way Agent Lott handled new leads that came in. So much so that Milton asked for Lott to be taken off of Rhonda's case several years ago. My understanding of why Chad Lott was removed from Rhonda's case is because he was not following up on evidence that was given. Really, this investigation kind of started back in 2012 and wouldn't even really call it an investigation back then. It was more me just started asking questions. I started talking to uh, Rhonda's friends, started talking to, you know, retired investigators with the GBI who had been involved in this case. And it really wasn't an investigation. I just started asking questions, trying to figure out what happened to Rhonda. I was 10 years old at the time that this happened. So at that age, I knew what was going on, but I never really felt that I had anything to contribute. So in 2012, I really started asking questions. And those questions just kept building and building and building. And as I'm talking to people, I'm going back and I'm telling Milton and Gail what these individuals are saying. And they're going, I've never heard that before. And the more we started digging, and then soon the private investigator comes in, we start realizing that these people have come forward to the GBI and they've never been contacted. And we would hear from individuals when they were contacted by the GBI that the GBI treated them horribly. And Natasha tells me that it didn't just stop at poor treatment from investigators. They would be accused of being involved in Rhonda's case or they were called liars. The GBI would act like They were wasting their time. We know from former GBI agents that they themselves would contact the GBI with information and say, hey, this person came to us. Would you mind following up on it? And these people would come back to these former GBI agents and say, hey, nobody ever contacted me. And that's what we've learned throughout this whole process is how these people were treated by agents of the GBI. And several times the name that came up was Agent Chad Lott. And that's one of the reasons the family advocated for his removal from the case.
Fox Hunter is a production of Imperative Entertainment. It was created, written, and reported by me, Sean Kipe, and I wrote the original music score. Executive producers are Jason Hoke and Gino Falsetto. Story editor is Jason Hoke. Sound engineering by Shane Freeman. Key cover art provided by Joe Freeman Jr. Keychalis 9032, 2015. Joe Fox Hunter is available every Tuesday morning. Follow us on social media at Fox Hunter Podcast. If you like the show, leave us a review and tell your friends. Thanks for listening. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening wherever you listen.